You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hey, what's up, Multiverse? This is Brandon. And this is Alex. And we're filmmakers. And we're also drinking bourbon. Yes. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, Uh, my friend. I need a sip of this. Hey, dude. You seem like you've had a rough day. I don't know, man. I'm in a... I'm in a... A BK funk? Well, I don't know. I feel like... I don't know if anybody else struggles with creative depression, but I do. And maybe we should do a whole episode on it. But it's the, the idea that as a creative... When you're in the midst of a project, you feel alive. You feel like you can conquer the world. You get the the camaraderie from your team or your crew, especially on a filmmaking uh, you know set. And everyone, you know, when you rap, I mean, there's hugs, and you feel like you've been at summer camp, and it's like love all around, and you got this euphoria, dopamine is being released, the whole deal. Then there's the days where you don't have a project, sometimes weeks. And for some people, hopefully, it doesn't go into months. But those days get super dark for me. Like, um, And so I'm in, I'm in the midst of a creative depression cycle right now. I feel like I'm right there with you. <laughs> we just wrapped all these fantastic projects, and it's yeah. like, what's next? Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you... If you feel that way sometimes, holler at us. Let's stay, let's stick together. Join the Slack group. We should uh, we to, should create a hotline. Yeah, go to fdbpodcast.com. Join the Slack group, and uh, let's talk about it on Slack and see how people feel about that situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, nonetheless, we're here. We're really? plugging through week after week. We're on episode, I think, 79. Yeah, it's and getting, uh, we're coming up on our two-year at some point. Yeah, and uh, you know months. what? We have got a great show today. We do. We actually have a surprise. We do. We we have uh, we have a lot of listeners and people who are real working filmmakers that are doing stuff. And one of those listeners, Dean, is going to be on the show. He's from New York, mm-hmm. I think Brooklyn. Uh, we're going to dial him in to hear about his new project. Hear what it's like to to be a filmmaker in New York. Let's do it. Get him on here. So let's get him on. And then uh, after him, I do want to follow up with uh, the status of Otis. Sure. Because last week's show got a little weird. I know. You left a cliffhanger. I, I, I left the studio while taping. All of our listeners are going, Everyone wants to know, what is, going is on? my dog alive? Yeah. Stay, it's stay just, tuned. This is like the uh, lost episode <laughs> of Dog Stories. <laughs> stay tuned. So uh, let's dial up. All right, we're going to dial up uh, on the uh, the t- time machine modem to get us over to uh, New York. <laughs> Hello, Dean. Hello. Hey, what's up, man? Dean. Didn't know if you would How con- are you guys doing? connect or not. Yeah, uh, the black hole sometimes. Yeah, the time <laughs> uh, it all went through. So <laughs> where where are you? Who are you? What are you, man? Go. Um, wow. Very broad question. Um, <laughs> I live in... <laughs> yeah. No, I'm a, a writer and director, um, and I live in Brooklyn, New York. Sweet. And... I'm a human being more broadly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So what uh as far as filmmaking, what are you what are you involved in? Um I well like I said I, I usually write and direct my own projects. I just finished, well, I just premiered uh my latest feature uh which is called What Children Do. Um and before that I'd made a bunch of short films and I made a my first feature film in 2009. Mm. Nice. And did, did that go on? Did you, was that just like sort of a local release? Did you screen at any film festivals? Tell us about that. Uh, the first one? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. Um, we played a bunch of festivals. We premiered it at Raindance, and then we played festivals for like a year and a half, or like almost two years, um, probably too long. And then we, um, it was really low budget, and it was self funded. So I decided to just put it on online for free. Um, so we put it on Vimeo, and it got a staff pick, and a bunch of people saw it, um, and it was. Uh, awesome. <laughs> wow. That's great, man. Staff picks like the most sought after online yeah. accolade. Yeah, that's awesome. So was that was there a yeah. a strategy you had for that or was it just kinda you threw it up there and hope for the best or did you have like a marketing strategy behind the the film? Yeah, I mean I was I was really young and I'd just gotten out of school and so my kind of strategy was just to try to get it in front of as many eyeballs as humanly possible. Mm. And um we did play a couple of theatrical um uh, cities before that, but yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I kind of knew, or I was, I was comfortable, kind of just um, uh, realizing that the in money I had invested into the film was kind of an investment into like the future and my next projects and stuff like that, and so I just kind of viewed it as a way of uh, just trying to spread the film as widely as possible. Mm, that's great. So did you did you start out in filmmaking? Did you study that? Are you a working filmmaker, or is this like a side hobby? Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I I started making like little dumb movies with my friends in like middle school and high school, um, and then I guess I it just was sort of a natural progression to go to film school. So I went to um, Columbia College in Chicago. Um, uh, guess who else went to Columbia College in Chicago? Uh, you guys? That would be me, my friend. I gra- oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, man, the 2000, in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, I actually studied audio production before they oh, wow. before they had all the new facilities. So but we would always hang out with the film kids as well. So good to, good to, yeah, meet, good we... to meet you, alumni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you're, I don't know what your feelings are about the Columbia, so I'll uh, uh, <laughs> bide my uh, time, but. Um, yeah, so I, I went there and then, um, after that, I kind of, uh, made my first movie when I was, I was living in Chicago still at the time and just like working menial, like shitty jobs. And, um, after I moved to New York, I kind of started working more closely to film of like producing videos and, um, writing and directing, uh, stuff as opposed to like being a barista, Mm. um, so yeah, it's kind of I, ha- I kind of have a dual uh, life of like during the day, usually um, producing short form video content, and then at night and you know when I make my projects, doing sort of more my own narrative scripted stuff. Nice. nice. So awesome. is the goal to do solely kind of narrative <coughs> scripted long form drama, or do you kind of want to balance that with commercials and that that, a- yeah. that area of it? I don't know. I, I, I think about it a lot and I don't actually have an answer yet. I kind of like how it is right now because like I don't have to worry. I mean, my main concern when I make my films isn't like um, recouping the investment. So I kind of am able to like take like, you know, risks and um, sort of make decisions based solely on how they'll affect the quality of the film as opposed to financial considerations per se. Um and so I, I really like that freedom of being able to kind of just do whatever the fuck I want with my films. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I would totally be open to um, doing it full-time if that opportunity presented itself. Nice. Right pretty on. Cool. So, uh, you know, you, you had some pretty good success with your first film. 
how did you get into the second one? You know, how did you come up with the idea? Can you talk a little bit about the pre-production process, like developing your actual story? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, so the story is about two sisters who um, go home to take care of their grandma who's dying. And I had wanted to make a movie about sisters for a really long time just because it's kind of a fascinating um, personal dynamic for me. Um, And I kind of, after the first movie, like probably most first-time filmmakers, I had just like massive delusions of how the second one would go. Like, you know, somebody would see my movie and um, just be enthusiastically throwing money towards my way, Mm. um, which, of course, didn't and doesn't happen so there was there was a lot of years where I was kind of just like sitting around um, expecting something to happen or kind of thinking this like magical uh, uh, something would fall into my lap uh, to help the second movie get made. And after a while, I kind of had some sort of um, come to God moment where I realized that wasn't going to happen. And I kind of just had to push the ball up the hill for the second film myself um, and that kind of s- informed the pre-production process for my second film of just realizing that, like, if anything was going to get done or uh, get finished, it was going to be because I had to do it myself. Um, yeah. I mean, and that, I kind of consigned. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to pull out. I think that's a, a great sort of takeaway for the listeners. I think, you know, a lot of us have dreams and aspirations and and passion projects and there's these things we want to do the film we've always wanted to make and i think you're right i think it's it's discouraging sometimes when you know the the magic scenario doesn't play out that's in our head and it's easy to kind of you know get give up or get down you know before we you know kicked off the show i was just telling alex how sometimes i get you know i get into a creative funk and i, and I know other people do too i've talked to other people who are creatives and you know when you're in the project like life is great and then when the project's over, it starts to become this sort of, you know, foggy dark space. And so, so did, for that, for you, was that a, the case where after the the first film was out, people had seen it, you kind of, you know, reached the mountaintop, and then you kind of realized like, oh, that that's it. And then you and then you were looking towards the next peak. Was that sort of that that moment? How long did that moment last? And then, you know, is there anything that helped you get over that moment, which which led you to the point you're talking about now, which was. I'm going to make this next film. Like, was there a, was there a, a defining moment? Um, yeah. I mean, so after I made the first movie, I kind of tried to do a lot of super traditional routes of getting the second one made of like, um, pitching it to production companies and talking to, um, you know, uh, sales agents and applying for grants and stuff like that. And none of them, none of those avenues really panned out, um, for whatever reason. And I kind of, I mean, I, I spent a lot of years, trying to pursue those routes thinking that like uh you know the second movie will be easier because people i made a, a movie and everybody is going to be impressed by that mm-hmm. uh, which uh sadly isn't true so what ended up happening was um you know a number of years lapsed where i hadn't made anything and it was a really just like a legitimate uh probably what you guys have both experienced just like rock bottom like mm-hmm. desperate <laughs> um crisis basically where I was kind of just like I have to make a movie like no matter what and uh, I kind of just decided like I'm going to set a date and I'm going to just get whatever I can and I'm going to make a movie with whatever I have at that moment because I can't uh, not make another movie for another year. Hmm. That's cool man. I I think that's encouraging for other people to hear that you know sometimes it's just about putting your nose to the ground and and going. It's not immediate. 
even though you've had success with one project, doesn't mean you will with the next. Was that the right phrase? What? Put your nose to the ground. I don't know. Or was it the grind? Grind. <laughs> and why would you put your uh, nose? Yeah. Why would you put your nose to the grind? You'd put it to the ground. That What's a grind? Dangerous, right? I don't know, but I just as I said that, I was like, "What did I just say?" I don't know. Like an ostrich. <laughs> put your nose to a DVD cover of the movie Grind. Uh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> and that always solves your problems. Inspiration. So, yeah. so you decide to push forward, and now we're you're in the midst. So you're in pre-production, or you're in? Have you shot this film, the new film? Uh, yes, we shot it, and it just premiered like three days ago. Wow. Nice. Where, where did so, it premiere? Uh, it premiered at Cinequest in California. Very cool. Nice. Very cool. And uh, yeah. did you? I assume you had a chance to go. Did you? Was it well received? Did it? You know, that's the thing that I think is neat. I've been in several film festivals on the documentary side, and it's always neat to see how the crowd reacts. You just don't know because a, a friends and family reaction is not really a real reaction, right? Because they have this bias, and but to get that cold, yeah. that cold audience. And then to see them react is vulnerable and exciting. So did you get to experience that? Yeah, we went to uh, – I was only able to go to two of the screenings. And it's really funny of you talking about that because the first one – the first screening was at night. It was at like 9 o'clock or something. And I was kind of expecting that to be the really uh, well-received one because it's – it's the movie is like a comedy and it's kind mm-hmm. of um, – uh, hopefully funny. Um, but, and people did like it, but we, then the next day we had a screening at 10 AM, which I was totally expecting, uh, to just be a bomb, uh, just because I I didn't even want to be awake at that hour. Um, (laughs) but that was, yeah, surprisingly that was this, like people were just laughing at all the jokes that I wanted them to laugh at and thought it was really funny and connected really well with it. Wow. Um, That's cool. So yeah, I mean, it is always weird to see the jokes that people laugh at or which people yeah. in the audience take to it really well. Mm. For so, sure. A comedy. What was the, uh, the script writing process like for this film? Was it, was what's this, this film the, even called? Yeah. Uh, it's called what children do. So gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I said it earlier. Yeah, I thought that was the, halfway I through thought the we were going through the last, no. the last, sorry, my bad. So you, you know, in your, in your dark time, your, your years between films were, had you already had this film written or when you made the decision to make the movie, is that when you wrote the film? Laid everything down and said, "I'm going to write this thing." Um, no, I I kind of had been writing it on and off for about three years. Maybe I maybe had the the idea three years before we started shooting, mm. and it went through a lot of different iterations. Like it originally had taken place in Indiana, and then I moved it to New York. And the characters were originally from New York, but then I moved her to L.A. And so it went through a lot of uh, rewrites and it kind of, I mean, I was kind of working on it on and off for three years. It wasn't ever a full-time thing. Nice. Did the grandma die? What? Uh, that's a spoiler, I think. <laughs> Does anybody care? <laughs> not yet. Like anybody's going to not be like, oh, she died? Okay, I'm not going to go see that. No, we should leave, um, we should leave some surprises for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want to say. It's a, it's a high-stakes thriller, and you don't find out until sh- the end. Yeah. Nice. When's Liam Neeson come in? That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's an uncredited cameo uh, 45 <laughs> minutes through the movie. Oh, hey, that that does bring me to another question as far as casting. Yeah. How did you go about um, finding your talent? And like you said, you, using kind of what you have at your disposal, was that one of those elements? Yeah, or? And, and just so we have context, what you had at your disposal, was that like, no money, five thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, or five hundred thousand dollars. Like, where where are you at in the scheme of like resources, or was this all friends? Um, 
No, it was, I mean, so the way I raised the money was, uh, you know, when I started writing the movie three years or what, however many years ago it is now, four years, um, I was working, I was like editing infomercials and like shooting golf videos, just like really miserable, nice. shitty jobs. And I was so unhappy and I knew I needed to make a movie. So I was like, I set aside about half of every paycheck I got for three years, essentially. Mm. And that was kind of what we had to shoot the movie with. Wow. Um, that so takes discipline. Extreme, extremely unglamorous uh, film financing and also just being uh, poor and Frugal. Uh, unhappy for three years. How does one do that living in New York? Um, you don't have a lot of money. Um, you always panic when you go out to dinner. Um, and you don't buy anything. Yeah. <laughs> top basically top ramen, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but New York yeah, ramen is like of, uh, expensive. Berea <laughs> uh, pasta during that time. Yeah, right. still nice. Cool. Wow. All right, so you're um, so you, yeah. you you use your resources and yeah. you you start to pull this thing together. Um, you know, our listeners always they're they're all a bunch of nerds. They all want to know what you shoot it on that sort of thing. So, give us a rundown of like the the gear list, kind of you know the the production value aesthetic uh, of the film. Yeah, I mean, so we shot it on uh, a Canon C, two Canon C three hundreds, with I think we used um, just uh, the twenty four to one hundred five L series lens and a Sigma zoom. Nice. Uh, I can't remember which one that was. Um, and yeah, we had my DP Darren is is just like a total uh, prodigy, and like he really, I mean, we had a we had a lot of equipment, but we ended up only using one or maybe two lights in most scenes. So we used a lot of um, uh, natural light because uh, we shot upstate and it's just uh, naturally gorgeous up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we kind of embraced the darkness and the shadows um, and used a lot of practical lights as well. So uh, it was kind of a fast paced shoot and I kind of like shooting that way, not waiting around for seven hours to light yeah. a, a scene. It's a risky move for a comedy to uh, to go that route. Is it more of a dark comedy, like you know, more drama mixed um, in? Yeah, or? it is. It's like a more like. Um, I mean, it's two daughters and a dead grandma, right? Yeah, but I mean, like indie <laughs> yeah, comedy. Are we talking like? Uh, <laughs> it can't be that happy. Yeah. Like it's yeah, it's got to be dark, right? Yeah, it's definitely like a, a grounded comedy. Um, gotcha. And work. like it's shot. I mean, there were times when we were kind of questioning, like you know, this is sort of. Uh, this looks like a scene from The Godfather. Like, are we kind of pushing this uh, darkness a little bit too far? Yeah. Um, but I, I really like it because it kind of plays against what you normally would think a comedy would be shot like. That's good. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned C300. I actually, I just bought one. I just got, I uh, I just sold two of the C100s and picked up the C300 Mark II. There you go. So nice. I like it. It's a great camera. I really yeah. like shooting on it. Cool. Easy. So to get back to my original question, sorry. Brandon Hijack. Sorry. Uh, how'd you go about casting and how did you oh, find casting. your talent? Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. So the parts were, the roles were really specific and I kind of, I needed to find people that were like both very, very funny, but also able to carry kind of like heavy emotional scenes, sometimes almost back to back. Um, and so I, I mean, it was both kind of randomly, like I went and saw a play in New York um, and uh, the actress who ended up playing Amy, Nicole Rodenberg, she was starring in the play. And I kind of was like, wow, this she's really 
amazing. Like, I wonder, she would probably be really good in this movie, but there's no way she'd ever want to do it. Mm. Um, and I, did, I Googled her online and couldn't really find her contact information. So I DM'd her on Twitter and set up a meeting at a coffee shop. And um, she liked the script and uh, agreed to do it. Uh, thankfully, somehow she didn't think I was like a, a psycho DMing her um, on Twitter. Yeah. And Grace Rex <laughs> it's a risky run. plays her... S- <laughs> yeah, it was a bold move, uh, not on, not intentionally, just uh, yeah. kind of didn't didn't know what else to do, unfortunately. And um, Grace, who plays her sister, um, I had seen her in a bunch of movies. She has a, a staggering uh, IMDb yeah. uh, filmography. And I'd seen like a short film that she had made and I, she was just so dynamic. She could do, she could carry like a drama or like be just like outrageously broadly funny. Mm. Um, and also she just has such like an incredible like look. It's kind of hard to take your eyes off her when you see her on screen. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I just, I reached out to her, um, her reps and set up a meeting and um, she was on hold for like a couple of, pi- we shot during pilot season, which was also like the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> um, but she was on hold for a couple pilots. And so we kind of didn't know until very last minute whether she'd be able to do the movie or not. But yeah. um, thankfully for us, uh, neither of them went. So we uh, we got to work with her, which was awesome. Very cool. Now, as, as a part of your team, you know, it sounds to me like you're, you're doing everything. Like you're the producer, director. Like is, is there other – are there other people how big yeah, of a team no, are you? I mean, how I big had, of a how big of a crew are you working with? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the crew was really, really, really small. Like, on any given day, it was probably like seven people, maybe total. Yeah. Um, and I did have other producers that definitely I couldn't. I would be probably dead right now if I didn't <laughs> have them. Um, but like, they were both working full time jobs and weren't able to um, really, you know, dedicate that much time because I wasn't able to pay them as much as they were making on, uh, you know, commercials and TV and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, like while we were on set, it was like me, uh, a DP, we had an AC, two producers and a sound guy and a production designer. And that was it for most days. Nice. And how many, how many days was that? Was the film? Um, we shot it in 14 days with one day of, um, pickups back in the city. We shot it upstate in, um, Kingston and Woodstock, New York. Mm. Right on. Beautiful country. So in, pretty in New York. fast. Oh yeah. Gorgeous. Yes. I only want to shoot movies upstate from now on. Yeah. It's nice. I actually, uh, did a motorcycle trip through the Adirondacks and it was pretty rad. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a biker. Good times. He's got a big leather jacket <laughs> and a giant that is, beard. That right is now. not true. I do have a giant beard. He's all no. tatted up. He's pretty scary, yeah. actually. Um, so, what would you say is is your big learning? Right? Because I think we're always we always want to be a place that encourages filmmakers. We want to be a place where filmmakers feel like they can hang and have a fireside chat. And I think a lot of people, you know, are, you know, what's what were the things your big takeaways? You've done two fe- feature films now, basically self funded against all odds, but you got this thing inside you that says I'm going to keep making films. It's what I it's what I do. What what are your takeaways? You know, give us a couple like. Here, here's the the things that I learned that you need to know that will either help you or keep you from, you know, holding, holding yourself back. I mean, the biggest thing that I've learned, especially on this movie that um, I'll, I forgot after the first movie was um, like 
you need to have a movie that you can just make, you know, you don't need to wait around for, um, you know, 14 financiers to give you $3 million and sit on your ass for five years. Um, like you can definitely have those projects and I'm not discouraging anybody from like writing an ambitious, huge movie. Um, but like, I should also say that you should have, you know, a movie that you can make for a few thousand bucks or, you know, 20,000 bucks or something. Um, because yeah, I mean, you can spend a decade waiting around for people to give you the resources and the money to shoot a movie. Um, or you can kind of just decide you're going to do it yourself. And if you make that decision, it's, um, very hard for anybody to stop you from doing that. Mm. So yeah, at all times going forward, I'm going to have a very small movie that I'm pursuing that I know that I can find the money myself or, you know, edit P90X uh, infomercials <laughs> and save money to do it. Um, <laughs> and then just make it myself without anybody's um, permission. Yeah. G- going along with that, does that, uh, does that kind of include, you know, something to the effect of make the movie you want to make, you know, do you have to be passionate about the project in your experience or obviously you wrote the movie, so you love the movie, correct? Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends. I mean, this movie kind of took a long, it was kind of a long tail. Um, and I know that you can, I mean, you could push a movie through much faster and then kind of move on to the next one right away. Um, but I mean, yeah, like if you're doing it properly, it's like, you're probably going to spend at least three years working on this movie, you know, writing, shooting, editing and then like releasing it. Um, and so I would definitely encourage, uh, people to be passionate about the thing that they're making because I mean, I couldn't imagine doing this process with something that I didn't love or, Mm. you know, didn't like just because you have to spend so much time with it and put so much money and effort and time into it. Uh, it seems like it would be suicide to, (laughs) to not like the thing that you're doing. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Well, we, we've we've enjoyed talking about it. Uh, where can we go see it? Where can everybody go see this stuff that you've you've done? Um, all of my shorts and my first feature are on Vimeo. Uh, you can just search Dean Peterson. I think I don't actually know what the URL is for Vimeo. I'll search it now. Um, yeah, go on Vimeo and search Dean Peterson. <laughs> my first feature is called Incredibly Small, and I have a bunch of short films on there too. Um, and then my new feature, uh, what children do is going to be playing, um, a bunch of festivals this spring and summer and fall. Okay. Um, so mm. keep your eyes peeled, keep your nose to the grind, keep your nose to the, to the for ground. Our, to the for grind. our listeners out there, it's actually <laughs> Vimeo.com slash Peterson cinema. Yeah. Ah, perfect. There Thank you. you. Check, check that out. Follow him, connect with us. We'll, we'll get you linked up and whatnot, but, um, Man, it's been a joy talking to you. It's been really cool to hear your story and your perspective. I think you've got some great words for the listeners. And I think for me, you, you kind of pepped up my day, buddy. <laughs> I came in well, a little I you. came in a little down, but but man, you you got down and then you made a film. I didn't I haven't made shit. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. To to cap it off, what what's the next thing for you, Dean? Where are you off to now? Are you off for more screenings? Are you off to write another feature? What's going on? Uh, yeah, we're doing, uh, like I said, we're doing a bunch of festivals for what children do. And then I'm actually uh, writing a new, uh, another very small movie that we're going to shoot in October. Um, I'm writing it with uh, Nicole, who is in What Children Do. 
Um, so yeah, we're just gearing up to do another, uh, on to the next one, tiny, uh, self-funded movie. Awesome, brother. That's great. Well, all the best of luck yeah, to you. Yeah, I'm uh, very excited. Yeah, man. And, yeah, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, well, you're welcome to come back anytime. Just uh, holler out and let us know what you're up to and what you're making. And yeah. it's always great to hear from filmmakers across the globe, even uh, in small old New York City. Tiny, tiny New York Awesome. City. Well, thanks so much for uh, having me on. <laughs> it was great to talk to you guys. All right, man. Awesome, Dean. Cheers. We'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Peace. Nice guy. Dude. Awesome. I can't wait to watch the movie now. Nice guy. Yeah. I like that. I like, you know, I was really encouraged uh, to hear his, you know, his sort of can do spirit. Yeah. Well, the self financing financing is hard. That, yeah. is, that is a rough road to travel he down. Said, didn't he say he saved for three years? He said years. I, I'm assuming three years. Yeah. Yeah. I think but I mean, you're talking assumption. about like half of every You're paycheck. giving up the luxuries that you might enjoy. Yeah. Traveling. Eating out, hanging with friends, going yeah. to the bar, yeah. whatever it might be, going to see the old the old Mets play, mm-hmm. the old Yanks. Pain now for pleasure later. And you know, yeah. I think I think that's great. And I think there's a lot of people out there awesome. right now who hopefully are hearing this, and they're going to say, you know what, he's right. The time is now, and they're going to go make these films. And I, if you're out there and you're going to do that, we want to hear from you. Yeah, holler at us and say, hey, we listen to your podcast. We heard a great story of a filmmaker in New York, and we're going to go make our film now because we realize it's mm. there's no time but now. It's always the right time. But not only a filmmaker, a successful filmmaker. Yeah. He's had festival screenings. He's sure. you know, had f- theatrical debuts. He's on to his next one. You know? Yeah, man. It's great. So, yeah, it was nice. Very, very cool. Well. Excellent. Yeah. Cheers to Dean. Cheers, yeah. Cheers, cheers to a good a filmmaker. Good guy yeah. who, uh, you know, we wouldn't have known unless... He was a listener of the show. No. And that's and what's cool what? about this show. Here's the thing that I have to throw out. I want to thank our producer. I want to thank Frank. Frank. Frank for uh, Frank li- lining up that interview. Yeah. For kind of, you know, digging through and, and, you know, for all of you listeners out there, I'm sure he's been a contact point. If you try yeah, yeah. to contact the show, you're going to get Frank before you get yep. Brandon. He's going to get the listener mail, all that stuff. Yeah. So just thanks to Frank. Thanks to Frank. Yeah. He gets it done. Yeah. So Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, brother. So how are you, man? I'm much better now. Yeah, I know. I, I it was like, a pep. It was a little pep talk. You know, it just I, happened. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm really good at uh, putting on a smile, even when I'm uh, not happy inside. You've been you've been having, experiencing creative creative depression. Yeah, otherwise we, known as CD. CD. Yes. If you are a loved one, not you know, ED, has been afflicted with CD. Not ED, but CD. Yeah, there's a pill for that. Yeah. you can't. There's no pill. For there's no CD. pill for CD. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, um, yeah. No, I'm I'm in the same kind of boat, you know, between projects, not really knowing what's next. And here's what's crazy about CD: huh. you just came off of a feature film with Emilio Estevez. Yeah, 24 days, 22. Yeah, working your butt off with all star cast. Yeah, most people would die to be in your shoes. Most people, most of our listeners who are DPs and shooters would say, "I'm going to take a picture of my shoes." You know what I'm saying? They would, they would love to be in your shoes, shooting B cam, A cam, whatever cam, on a feature film directed by Emilio Estevez. Yet here you sit, experiencing the symptoms of CD. This is a real thing. Like this is irrational. There's no reason you should feel like this, but it's a real thing. And I know, I know it's a real thing. Mm. And I feel your pain. I, I get it. 
I get it. I don't look at you and say, oh, I can't believe you know, you're know you saying that because you got to work on this big film, whatever. I get it. Like yeah. I totally get it. I think a, a big part of what you just said is is the key, is that it's irrational, right? <laughs> There's a lot, not a lot of what we do Absolutely. is rational. Well, and here's the thing. Whenever I we, hit, hit these moments creatively, yeah. I sit down with a pen and paper and I have an ongoing list. I, I could probably pull it up right now. I have an Didn't ongoing I, list. You took this from me. I think you gave this to me. This yeah. is an exercise of appreciation. Yes, every night. And I, I, I don't do it every night, but I, I created a gratitude list. And yes. I, I list my, right? my kids, my wife. I have a great house. Yep. Cars that are reliable, pets that are wonderful. I get to travel and have vacation. My bills are paid. Mm. I don't have to, you know, really worry about that. No. I've got good health care. I've got a great education. Mm. I'm a smart guy. I can read. I can challenge myself, all those sort of things. I have the freedom to do so. Yeah. I love my neighborhood, my neighbors. I mean, the best podcast co-host in the world. Yes. So there's, and I think there's a, when you start to think about that stuff, you're (laughs) like, my life is pretty charming. And then you realize, but why do I feel like this? And then it's, you get that next project and you're like, I'm alive. (laughs) You're a creative person, but not only creative, you're motivated. Yeah. There are plenty of creative people that are unmotivated. So yeah, they can create great work, but they don't really care. The fact that you are down means you care. Man, I right? was trying to spin it. I don't want to make this about me. No, you're, care- you're, I'm just you're saying, caring. I'm just kind of pointing it out that I think it's, because yeah. I know it's something me and you, we always are support each other whenever we have those moments. Mm. And so I think it's, you know, it's worth talking about. I, Yeah, again, back to what I originally said, let's set up a hotline. <laughs> you know, <laughs> 1-800-CD-NOW. 1-800-FDB-CD. FDB-CD, <laughs> CD-NOW. Yeah, whatever, whatever seven digits oh, adds geez. up to. So, uh, uh, anyway, aside from that, yeah, um, I do want to update everybody on the last show. From the cliffhanger? The cliffhanger that was my dog. Yes. So, Otis is doing just fine. He did experience three, four, five days of... Near death. Incontinence. What, uh, so... <laughs> I, I have a little inside your, your info wife yeah <laughs> so I yeah. so in the midst of it I'm a little worried it it's, it randomly snowed the day I was going to take him to the vet I could not the roads were blocked down I could not it was you know yeah. I could not get him to the vet so I called you and said have Kristen call me so dude she's awesome she calls I'm well aware of that yeah. she's amazing she calls and she's like what's going on Brandon and I'm like here's the deal and she's like asking me this asking me that and she's like all right mm. I want you to do this, this, and this. I'm going to write in this prescription for this. Boom, 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 boom. And sure enough, he's back. She saved his life. She's a pro. She saved his life. She's the best. He's back in action. Otis is doing well. Everybody's fine. The family's happy. Yeah. It's good. My wife's a killer vet. <laughs> but for a minute. Not a killer vet. <laughs> like a good vet yeah. that I term killer. Sure. You know. But but <laughs> in the moment last week, yeah. You know, what do you, when your daughter texts you and she seems distraught, you take the text. Yeah. You, you step out of the room, you make the call. You get out, and then you leave your co-host to flounder. <laughs> the go, best part was... Go, Frank, Frank, <laughs> Frank. <laughs> the best part was listening back. I was my neighbors. I played that segment yeah. back with the neighbors because it was kind of comical. And the best is Frank walks in, and he's like, talk about lighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the point. Talk about lighting. He's got a... And that was it. It was like a, all you got. A bullet point list. Cold-hearted Frank. <laughs> Frank the Tank. It was awesome. Well, yeah, dude, that's a good part of it, though. He's got like a checklist of, okay, what would make the show better? 
lighting. Sure. Yeah. Just talk about lighting. Talk about lighting. Yeah. That was it. That's all you got. It was awesome. Yeah. So that was fun. But um. Anyways. Ah man. Anyways. I Good. Do I'm wa- glad to hear that Otis is better. <laughs> He's back. He's better. Thank you, Kristen. He yeah. is better. But I did want to. I feel like I cut. We cut our conversation a little bit short with your experience on that film. That's 22 days we of filmmaking of short, that I would yeah. like to. I have more questions. Sure. So Fire I, away. I would like to have you on my show. Okay. Go All ahead. Right. Well, so. it's great to be here in <laughs> Studio B. Thanks, Brandon, for having nice. me. Um, so picking up kind of where we left off from last show, yeah. uh, you were on a show called The Public, mm-hmm. Cincinnati Library, directed by Emilio Estevez, yeah. all sorts of famous dudes in the movie. We talked about that you know, you couldn't really afford to pay them, their going rate. I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. It was crazy. I mean, these yeah. guys are big budget guys that oh, yeah. were working on a smaller film. Well, you've got the, smaller film. the uh, leading... Uh, uh, Trump impersonator. Yeah, uh, you've. Got... <laughs> yeah, you got. Hey Bart, is there any bourbon in that cabinet behind you? Uh, there are. There's some in the plastic bottles. We're going for round two bourbon right so, now. Sorry, we're to, calling in. Uh, yeah, sorry to. We're dip out of this. But we're, uh, we're calling in and in the back. Reinforcements. Yep, there you go. We need the, some reinforcements. Yeah, the plastic here. bottles. There you go. All right. So Bart's digging through. He Bart's found, digging uh, in another pour for us. Mm, what's that? We got some Kentucky Tavern. Some Benchmark. Ooh. We got some good stuff. I think uh, we've just set a new benchmark. We've never called in for a. Uh, we never called into the bullpen yeah. to get reinforce, reinforcement bourbon. <laughs> Flying in bourbon. Flying in. All right. What do you? Nice. Uh, uh, just set it all just, here. Yeah. We'll just take it. Here. Ooh, man. very old Barton. Thank you. As in Bart. Thank you, Bart. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, Kentucky Tavern, very old Barton, and benchmark. All right. So go ahead. Uh, so really, what I wanted to get into a little bit. You talked about that the film was a lot of natural or available light, along with the light, the ambient light that was in the. The, yeah. The space. De- well, depending on the on the situation, there were Correct. a few uh, few locations like the homeless shelter, the night street exterior sure. of the the library, where it was super lit. Right. And by the way, footnote: right now, this conversation is not going to make any sense unless you go back and listen to last week's episode. So yeah, stop good. tape, go listen to last week's episode, and then come back. Kind everything of, kind yeah. of important. Everything yeah. after the interview <laughs> with Dean. Is not going to make sense. You got to listen to episode seventy-eight. True. All right. So here's what I really wanted to get at. Yeah. Okay. Because I think a lot of people know, like you know, we like to hear the gear, we like to hear the lights, we like to hear the setups. Blah 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 blah. Mm, yeah. I want to know about the experience. You know, as a director, what was it like working with Amelia? What was his directing style? Did you know? Did he give a lot of feedback to the actors? Did he give a lot of feedback to the crew? Was he Talk about the experience. What was the day to day? How were the, how was it working with the actors? Was the DP vocal? Was he quiet? You know, a little bit of that experience. In three words, <laughs> best project ever. Yeah, you had mentioned that before. Simple. Um, yeah, Emilio was was fantastic as both the director, as an actor, as the kind of lead man on the entire project. Mm-hmm. This is his baby. Sure. You know, he, he wrote this thing. He has a, a passion for both the story and the uh, kind of heart behind it. It's about, you know, homeless um, kind of people that are cast aside mm-hmm. by traditional society uh, that find a voice. And he, he was a, a really good... So did each day... Uh, con- like Conductor. What was know? the... the camarad- did each day start off like... Was it like a cold set? Was it warm and fuzzy? Did it start off with sort of a kickoff? Like, hey, guys, here's what we're trying to achieve today. You know, let's all get to work. Like- Every day. So typical day, I, uh, you know, I, I 
drive into set. I uh, park in a spot in the lot down on Lynn mm-hmm. Street. Um, you know that area very yeah. well from your past job. Uh, you know, get go grab a breakfast burrito. Uh, you know, throw my backpack over my shoulder, hop on the transportation passenger van. You know, hey shorty, what's up? Uh, good morning. Oh yeah, you know we're here early. All right, let's go. Uh, anybody else coming? Nope, nobody else is coming. Let's sure. do it. She drives me to set, or he, or whoever's there, whatever transpo uh, teamster. Uh, hop out on the corner of Eighth and Walnut at the library. Yeah, uh, you know, walk through the library, show my badge. Yep, I'm with the movie. Going on up to the third floor. Hit the third floor. Social sciences desk. Emilio, what's up, man? Big hug. You ready for today? Yeah. It's going to be a good one. Hey, Juan Me, the DP. What's up, yeah. dude? It's, it's going to be a good one. All right, fist bump. Boom. Right. Grab some coffee. Got my coffee. Tom, my first AC. Hey, what's up, dude? Uh, just talked to Juan Me. We're going to be on a 35 millimeter. You know, we're starting off handheld. Dave's doing a big steady cam. Camera's move. built. Ready and then go. we're going to bump in for coverage. Like, that's, you know, that's the start right, of the so day. So you're getting the game plan. You're getting the good. Yeah. Too. All but right, it's that's always, fun. it's warm. It's fuzzy. It's, yeah. it's a hug from Emilio, a yeah. fist bump from Juan Me. It's a, that's let's cool. get ready to tackle the day. Because I don't think all films are like that. And I don't think, Not at you know, all. especially in the commercial world, no. sometimes you, you get a lot of pretension. You get a lot of people who think they're important. Yeah. You get a lot of, you know, don't bother me, those sort of things. Yes. I, I would think in the film world, there's a lot of, oh, I'll be in my trailer. That doesn't sound like that was the kind of movie you run. Sometimes there is. Sure. Uh, on this one, no. I, I think at this point, you can already consider Emilio Estevez a member of the Cincinnati community. He He's a... He's part of it. Yeah. He's not a, a dude. Oh, he's not here from L.A. visiting, making a movie in Cincinnati. He is a Cincinnatian at this point. Sure. Making a movie in a town that he loves. Yeah. So when you show up on set. It's, so that came through. It's a uh, dude. Th- we're your crew now. Yeah. We're not like hired by your company. We are your crew. We are family. Let's make this thing. We all believe in this product. Sure. Boom. That's yeah, cool. It man. was really heartwarming. Yeah. That's awesome. So now, as far as the flow, like let's say you know, walk us through the, the like a scene, right? So you're you're there. You get the coffee. Yeah. You know, uh, AC's got cameras built. You're you're getting ready to go. Mm-hmm. Does it, you you block out the scene? The actors come in. Like talk a little bit through. Yes. Like just let's just say one scene, like the first scene of the day. <clears throat> talk about that. Sure. Okay. So like I said, we show up on set. Say hi to Emilio. Hi to um, Juan Me, our bosses. Um, they're usually going over the script, going over the plan for the day, maybe doing a few little reorganizing. Maybe Amelia's doing a few rewrites, you know, pulling out some dialogue that, oh, you know, we're, we're a little behind. We don't really need this. Let's pull that out. Let's, let's tackle this person now. Right. So I go say hi, realize that they're, okay, they're working through something. Maybe it's not the time to say hi, you know, go get my coffee. They come out. It's pretty evident, uh, you know, when things are getting ready to start going, SB, our SB Weathersby, our, our first AD, comes over. He goes, you know, here you go. Operators get their, uh, we get our shot list. Here's what uh, Emilio and, and Juan me have decided. Here's what we're going to shoot today. Um, you know, see everybody start kind of walking around. They're, they're blocking out the scene without the actors, just themselves kind of walking through it. Juan me will say, you know, here's where we're starting. We're going to start with uh, ACAMs doing a steady cam push from the door to the counter through the book stacks. Whatever the scene is, sure, he's on this lens. You know, Dave comes over. You know, we've all got our little Artemis app. So for anybody out there, uh, you know, looking for a really good viewfinder on set, Artemis is a really good app that you can use. You plug in your camera, your lens package, 
uh, your your aspect ratio, and it'll show you exactly right. the field of view. So we've all got those out. You know, we're walking through the scene, blocking it out with prior to the actors being there. Just kind of general ideas. Dave's on this lens. Alex, oh, okay, this would be cool if we could cover the dialogue portion of Emilio with uh, talking to Jenna, one of the other characters. Um, you know, okay, this would be great on on sixty five. And so I pitched that. Wanmi likes it. Emilio likes it. Okay, Tom, put us on a 65. B camera goes to 65. C camera, she picks out her shot, Amy. Um, then we get the actors in. That all could change. Sure. You, know, you got to so, start somewhere. So, we, yeah, but we have a general idea. And we know the first scene that we're doing, we get a, you know, a, a set of sides with the call sheet. Yep. Um, and so we know the first scene that we're shooting. Operators are reading through the sides, knowing our, our cues, when to pan, who to focus on. All that jazz. The actors come in. They block out the scene. Things change a little bit. Tom, okay, that 65 is not going to work. That's a little too tight. Things are a little too crazy. Let's go to a 40. Yep. Right? Let's go to a 50. Whatever. Maybe Wanmi's got some ideas. He's like, you know what? Stay. Just get this shot. Get this angle. Go to a 75 and just focus on that tight portion. Yep. But then you got to back out of there as soon as Dave swings around, a camera swings around, because you're going to be in the shot. So it was yeah. a lot of like just Logistics kind of working and, yeah, it yeah. through as it happens. Yeah, that's yeah. cool, man. It was good. And so uh, typically how many scenes and, and setups would you do a day? We would do seven, about seven, seven and a half pages a day. Okay. Pages. W- would any of that, would any of that uh, entail like a company move or was that mainly all on same location, same location? A lot of it would be, so a lot of the movie takes place in that one third floor social sciences mm-hmm. desk location with book stacks in a, in a yeah. desk in kind of a common area. Um, some days, though, there was one day we had three locations. You know, we'd, we'd shoot yeah. a half a page here and Now, were you two moving or did there. you have different units? Like you already had like a whole other set of gear at those no, locations? No, All right, we, so we you were, we'd have to pack up. You were packing up. You pack everything into the trucks. You break everything down. All the lighting breaks down. All the cameras break down. You secure it in the trailer, uh, move, you know, half a mile, whatever it is, to the next location, unload, rebuild, sure. relight, reblock. And you did three in a day? Yeah, there was one day I think we did three of them. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So sometimes sometimes it was hectic. A lot of the movie was, like I said, in that one location. So it's just kind of uh, at the end of the day, you, ACs break down the camera. They leave the body on the cart, and they just yeah. push the cart into the one of the rooms and lock it away. Man, that sounds like a lot of fun. It seems like, uh, you know, I I know as I talked to you throughout the process, although it was, you know, few and far between since you were working pretty big days, you definitely seemed really encouraged and it was a, seemed like a really fun film to be on. But it all stems, I think, in in any project, it's all kind of top down. If you've got people that believe in the project, believe in the outcome, capabilities, whatever, they're super passionate about it. That feeling trickles down. Yeah. So Juan, me, and Emilio, who love the story, who you know love the town, whatever, have high hopes and dreams for the the end product. Everyone feels that. Yeah. And so us as as operators, we're like, oh my god, okay, we got we got to do this right. We got to yeah, you got boom. We got to be in the right place, right time. We got to pan, boom, boom, boom. Okay, ACs. You know, okay, maybe it's going to be a little hectic. You're not going to get your marks on time. You're not going to whatever. We're, we're just going to have to fly through this. They rock with it. They love it. And that yeah. trickles down the second ACs to the lighting department sure. to whatever. Everybody feels this sense of like, this is something special. When you've got Emilio Estevez going, I love this story. I love these people. I love this cast. 
it feels good. Yeah. Now, was there? Um, you mentioned a lot of local crew on that. Yeah. Did, did how many people did they bring in? How many were there? Other people, or was it literally all an all local operation here? Ninety percent local, I'd say. Uh, we had. Um, so who you, Amy Faust, who yeah. you know, was the uh, just one example of how the crew kind of changed a little bit. She started out as the first ACA camera for the first week because Juan Mi, who's the DP, his uh, regular AC um, was in Andrew, who was in New York. He's a New York guy. He was on a show with Spike Lee. Gotcha. So he wanted to finish out the show. And then he was like, okay, cool. I'll just, you know, we'll have a local start the show, prep the package, you know, do all the crewing, all that stuff. Week one goes by, um, Andrew comes in, Amy moves to C operator. We added on a C camera. Mm-hmm. So she, you know, had a, an Alexa mini, whereas we were on a, like XT's big kitted out packages. Sure. She was kind of stripped down and small. She could be really nimble and get, you know, pick off faces and reactions and whatever. Um, so she did some C camera days. And then she only had a first AC. She, she didn't have a second AC. So she's kind of a small ninja unit almost. Sure. Then it got to a point where it's like, oh, well, this makes sense to, we can capture some of this other establishing stuff of the city, like the opening of the movie. It's a sequence of landmarks in Cincinnati. It makes sense to send out a second unit. Okay, well, you need Dave and me on uh, main unit capturing the, right. the dialogue. Send out Amy. Amy's got the stripped-down package. She's able to move. She knows the city. Yeah. She became second unit DP. Nice. So she was able to capture the opening of the movie. That's it's great. pretty awesome. So she, she moves from first, first ACA camera to C camera operator to second unit DP. And the joke at the end of the movie is like, this is going to be the Amy Faust show. <laughs> yeah. All these listed credits. That's just cool. Just give her producer credit as well. Yeah. yeah. No, she killed it. it that's was, awesome. It was really, really cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a, it's such but, a great thing to hear. Sorry, to go back to your original question, 90, 95% of the crew was local. We had a few people come in. Because we don't have like a gigantic crew base here, we had to fill positions with uh, outside crew members. Like we had a few ACs come in from Chicago. Right. From New York, from LA, to kind of just help it get along. But yeah, mostly here. That's the sound of a. That's a plastic bottle. Plastic bourbon bottle. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's cool, man. Well, that's cool. That's that's great to hear. That's those are the things that I think are are interesting that a lot of times people don't get to hear. People yeah. always get to hear about gear. People always get to hear about big stars, but they they don't often get to hear about just sort of the interaction. You know, and I think that's a unique perspective. Yeah, I went into it with a kind of not knowing what it was going to yeah. be like. Like, oh my god, Emilio Estevez is is he wrote this thing, he's producing it, he's directing it, and he's the lead. Like, what's this going to be? Is he going to be overtaxed, overstretched? Is he yeah. going to be a nice guy? Overzealous? Who knows? He was awesome. Of course, he's like the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, yeah, and he cares. That's cool. He loves the project. He he, he wants to make movies in Cincinnati. Like, and you said that film's supposed to release this soon, no, this November. Yeah. All right, man. So we'll be on the lookout for it if you're listening. If the uh, public, if uh, if any of that piqued your interest, um, holler at us at yeah. ftbpodcast.com, Twitter, Insta. You know where to find us. I think it's gonna be a really good movie. I would By imagine so. I would think it would be. Well, before we move on, I want to turn yeah, it around. Sure. Yeah. I know I know you haven't been working on a lot lately and you're kind of in a dark spot. <laughs> um, it's not that bad. You no, know, you're you're 
It's not you're horrible. reevaluating not your entire existence. Um, <laughs> what are you excited about? Yeah, so uh, a couple couple things. We um, well, we actually just had the our the local Cincinnati Advertisement Awards, the Cincinnati Addies. Cincinnati's. Cincinnati's, um, and it was cool. We we ended up getting um, quite a few silver awards. We got I think five silver awards. Wow. You, my friend, uh, credited on one. We got a silver for cinematography for the University of Cincinnati project we did. Sweet. Congratulations. Thank you. Can we add sound effects at this point? <sighs> crowd crowd effects. It's a golf clap. Bart's like, I'm not adding sound effects. He's he's yeah. in the booth. He's already he's in it. the booth clapping. He's so. already has to cut in Dean Peterson's yeah. uh, audio. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so we got uh, silver for that. We got a silver okay. for uh, ca- the campaign of the UC. Nice. Um, there was some small. Um, uh, social media spots we did little 15 seconds we did along with that yeah. so we got a campaign award great campaign. and then I got s- three silver addies for the project I did with Lunazol tequila yeah. in Mexico because you killed one it one of which because you crushed it one of which was my first award ever for cinematography for cinematography so I was uh, I was actually pretty pretty excited about that you so. are now an award winning cinematographer well <laughs> technically very small award you're an <laughs> award winning cinematographer <laughs> true True yeah. story. Uh, so, yeah, it was fun, and so that was kind of exciting. Um, You're now my competition. Yeah, exactly. I must now we, uh, uh, separate myself from you. We <laughs> we have spent just a ton of time. We're kind of, I'm kind of feeling the after effects of all the energy we've put towards sort of the new rebranding of Leapframe. Yeah. And, you know, Leapframe.com and all of our social Which concepts. Which looks great, by the way. Thanks, man. We, it really – Yeah. It's a killer brand. We put a lot of work into it. And I think, um, you know, on our blog, there's a there's an article by Kyle, our designer, uh, we just published. It's it's about – it's called Designing Attitude. Yeah. And, you know, we're part of the Leap Group, which which has a specific look as well. And so we were limited on what we could do with, with a, a, quote, logo. Um and Kyle just was amazing at bringing – we need to get him back on the show, but he brought a, a different attitude to it where he said, you know, when you're limited with a logo, um, it's really more about what can you create around it. And so he really wanted to capture, you know, what it means to to to, to move and animate and all of those things. Um, and so he, he approached it as he wanted to create an attitude, mm. a, a way that everything surrounding the brand, you would look at it and go, that's Leapframe. Because you you could see the attitude, you could you could feel the the vibe. It's unique. So everything from the apparel, t-shirts, hats, um, all the way to some direct mail campaigns we had with agencies, with screen printed posters, um, yeah. the website, uh, all that stuff has a very specific attitude. It's well, got even even more base than that, more more love, you know, uh, lower level. The first thing I noticed, so you. Leap is green. Right. Everything's green. Green, green, green. Leap, 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 leap. It used to be leapfrog. Right. Um, how did you guys go about the new color? <laughs> well, that was That's a, the yeah. first thing I noticed. Sure. It's like, it's not green. No, it's not green. Uh, leap frame is, is now pink. Yeah. Yeah, we shifted to pink. Um, Kyle just did, he's got a good eye and, and he's a great designer and he just kind of, you know, he has a kind of a good a good sense of where design's going to be. Gut instinct. And um, he kind of started putting together this pink and green setup that at first was like really wild to me. And then I started realizing that it made sense and he really started to give it some context. And And now, I mean, if you look around the, the internet, I mean, pink and green are two of the like the biggest trending colors this year. 
I just did a music video that was pink and teal. So we yeah. we actually <laughs> Kyle was actually way ahead of the curve. Like he was right. he was wanting to go with this really bold, bright pink green setup, like you know, last year and all of a sudden I start seeing pink and green everywhere. He's ahead of the trend. He's like ahead of the trend. So, um, but it's just bold. It's playful. It's fun. Um, you know, we've really worked hard on refining our, our point of view. Video with heart takes clients with guts. And what we're really trying to say there is just that, you know, it's it's the clients and it's the people, it's the brands, it's the films, you know, whatever you want to call it, that take a chance. You know, they take a chance to do something different, to do something bold. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones who get the payoff, the ones who get, you know, the press and the notoriety notoriety, and um, the ones who, you know, people talk about. And, Mm. you know, you don't... You don't don't get an award for playing it safe. Yeah, you don't get an award for playing it safe. And, you know, safe sometimes is relative. So, you know, maybe... Maybe for one company, you know, being bold or being gutsy means something for another company, but we just want to be the brand that that encourages that and yeah. really says, hey, you know, we're, we're not afraid to, to get a little gutsy as well. So um, that's real important to us, and that's kind of what we're putting out there. And so spent a lot of time on that. So we're excited to, to launch it, but we're, we're waiting for some of that, the fruit of our labors to kind of pay off with, uh, you know, future projects, those sort of things, Dude, which, which well, will come. Like anything so. in the industry, it's only a matter of time. Sure. You just got to, you, you've put in the groundwork, yeah, you've man. laid the base. You L- put a, my a, nose to the ground. No, nose to the ground. Uh, <laughs> you've ground your axe, your axe on the grind. Yeah. However so you want to put it, good. you've put in the man yeah. hours. So that stuff's, that stuff's fun. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about um, the new camera I just ordered. Yeah, C300 Mark II. So, um, Which we, whoever pitched that to you, whoever said that's a great idea, <laughs> well, I, that I've, guy. I've loved the that guy or gal. Yeah, I love the C100s. Yeah. I know we've been having a conversation on Slack. Um, a lot of our listeners are Black Magic fanboys, um, and which <laughs> with uh, Firehouse Creative, yeah, we've had a he's our guy. We like him. Yeah, he's we, good. We've had a little um, conversation. He had a on great Slack. a great podcast, by the way. If you go back and listen to his episode that he did, oh, a did. guest podcast, oh, he's, he's good. Great. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, but yeah, so uh, and again, I you know. Yeah, I think it is a little bit about what you know and what you're used to, but I I really do I really did enjoy the C100s, and for me the the C300 Mark II is just it's the right camera to 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 bump into 4K and well you know the ecosystem so, yeah like you're you're like you said you've shot on C100s for forever mm-hmm. um, it makes sense and here's the cool thing Better is that um, 4K I was able to sell the C100s in like eight hours. You sold sold one on the Slack group. Yeah. So, and that's what's cool about the Slack group. And I encourage anybody who listens or who's on the Slack group, feel free to do the same. I mean, you know, it's there for that reason to to network and to throw things out. Yeah. I just threw it out there and said, "Hey, here's the camera. Here's the here's sort of the price. You know, if anybody, if that's helpful for anybody." Yeah. And I th- and I'm really excited that I think you know two really cool filmmakers picked them up and they're going to make some great content with it. So. Yeah, one on the the local Facebook yeah. site and one on the Slack group. We yeah. should create. So we have a thing called Gear Talk, a section on the Slack group. Yeah, we should have one specifically for like a marketplace. There you go. I think so. Just FDB to differentiate. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Just to uh, yeah, put it out there. I'll talk to Slack about or, so uh, to Frank about that. Yeah. So anyway, I um, I went ahead and made the jump and picked up the C three hundred. When's it coming um, in? Like Monday. So gotta, basically, you know, the, the main there. reason for that was we used to years when we first started in two thousand thirteen, we were doing a lot of more corporate video style stuff where it was like interviews of you know ceos just talking and talking and talking that's how they got to where they are (laughs) and the only way you can shoot that is with two cameras otherwise you just do not have enough b-roll to cover that amount of talking 
And so you need to have something to break it up. And as we got further away from doing a lot of that type of content, I realized I had a camera that just literally sat on the shelf all the time. And I said, which one? One of the C100s. (laughs) I had two. And I thought, you know, we're not using this. And every project that we do and the projects that we want to do are really single camera shoots that are, you know, focused, you know, great interviews with, you know, great B-roll. And um, so we decided let's just, we needed to upgrade, you know, every so often you upgrade. And so I said, you know, let's, let's dump those and bump it up and get the C, C300. Was, uh, was the, you know, one of the biggest buzzwords nowadays was 4K a big determining factor. You know, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it was. I mean, we did not have a internal 4K camera. You know, a lot of companies do. A lot of companies locally do. And and you know, some people that aren't the wiser, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be agencies or, or companies who are hiring us, they just know and hear the word 4K, and they don't realize that most videos that they're going to put on their social media site or on their website or wherever <laughs> are not going to be 4K. No. And but they f- there's a sense of you know you feel like you're getting something when you're when you're getting the 4K or whatever. Mm. So um, you know just to stay with the times, you know it's it's important. So so that was a part of it. But really, it was okay. just you know it was more of having that that next level option you know the the the, the pro level features and connectors and all that stuff that yeah. that one would want um you know there's times where you know we're doing a project that is is a commercial project and um you know I, I wanted to have a camera in house that that we feel confident with shooting those um mm. if we don't you know decide to rent you know something like a red or an alexa something that just came to mind uh, so with any big upgrade like that, you, you, you upgrade a big piece of your core gear, like your camera. All the accessory stuff kind of has to be upgraded as well. Yeah, you got to get. It's not just a single piece. No, you got it, and that's why when when it's deceiving when camera companies list their prices because whether it's Blackmagic, Alexa, Red, whatever, yeah, the camera body itself, literally just the body, um, might be X. Yeah. Amount. Um, but you let's can't just say it's it ten thousand or five thousand. Why is it? But you can't really run yeah. it without the you know the C three hundred. I bought you know three batteries, and I added on um, the CFast cards, a CFast reader, yeah. even just a base kit. Um, you know the camera is listed at eleven thousand, but it ended up being thirteen thousand. You know once you start adding all the the little extras that you need, and well, so. The- the big thing I literally I was just thinking about just popped in my brain um, was the wireless. So we've we mm-hmm. you mainly you mm-hmm. went to wooden camera. You said, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this monitor, yeah. this wireless solution. I need a, a cage to kind of tote yeah. around my my director's monitor." The dongle that plugged into the C100 that actually broadcasts yes. the signal is HDMI. Yes. What are you gonna do about that? I've got a solution. Do you have an uh, SDI to HDMI box? Yeah, uh, actually. Or are you just going to upgrade to a Bolt, a well, Teradek? I, I might. Uh, I'm, probably gonna up, I'm probably going to upgrade my monitor. Yeah. It's a good monitor. It is a good monitor. It's the AC7, but, the small yeah, HD. But um, some of their newer ones have like built-in uh, LUTs and some other cool things that are desirable. Yeah. Um, but uh, Blackmagic actually makes a SD or HDMI to SDI converter. Perfect. Or, I'm sorry, that might be vice versa. 
they make an SDI to HDMI converter, so I can take. So you can plug it to a, I a can professional take, yes. camera. I can go out of. HDMI I can out. go out of the C three hundred to this little guy and still wirelessly get to HDMI. my current monitor. Good. I was just thinking about that. Problem like, solved. You know, hopefully there's not a. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. If not, I'll just. Investment. If not, I'll sell the. Sell the sell the C three hundred. I'll sell my rig and uh, deal, and uh, we'll get a new one. Yeah, exactly. And somebody else will get a good deal on an AC seven. Yeah. So that's what I love about this industry is that you know one man's junk is another man's gold. Well, everyone's at a different level. You know what I mean. So you've upgraded to this. There's it, still a guy, or. Ten thousand guys. Got, yeah, he's got a, at the HDMI level. Yeah, or you C100 got guys level. on on some uh, you know DSLRs. They're they're shooting yeah, on a, they a some that. sort of a Canon Rebel something or another, and for them a C one hundred is a whole other jump into like cinema. Yeah. So no doubt, but yeah. it's yeah, it's it's just tiered. You know, it's exactly. what, what you need for the current project. If a T if a Rebel T three I T five I whatever the new thing is now yeah. is great for what you're doing, so be it. Yep. You know? Yeah, just like uh, Dean said, just make it, make it, make it, make whatever. It with what you make got. it with what you got. I will say though, I I I am a little jealous and a little excited about this Blackmagic Ursa Mini Pro with the built-in NDs. Yeah, it does feel like there's something going on there, and but I just, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's just so much trust in history with Canon with me that I'm just having a hard time making that jump. Well, the thing, but is, if to me, if this if this Blackmagic Mini Ultra Pro yeah. releases, and it's just like I love you adding adding words there. Yeah. Ultra Pro. If it's rock solid, massively ultra. Pro, if it's rock solid, four K. If it's rock solid, super reliable, and yeah. it just starts to. And then at at some point, I'm gonna start to say, you know what, I'm gonna put them in the mix. Pick one up. So yeah. and and but it's kudos, not that expensive. Kudos to all the early adopters. They're winning right now. They are mm. winning. I've seen some fantastic images from the four point six K. Yeah. Um, I will say though, uh, going with the black magic, you know, talking point here, they just released something that I'm even more excited about than a camera. Mm-hmm. And that is the, uh, micro and mini panels for DaVinci Resolve. Hmm. They released a, you know, $4,000 mini panel. Like hardware kit? Yeah. So with the tracking balls sure. and the rings and the, yeah. the physical buttons that Which you, you don't control DaVinci actually Resolve, need. It speeds up the workflow sure. a lot. Honestly, yeah, or and you can so just hire some for four thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, or you can a professional colorist. But if you're doing it yourself, if you're one yeah. of those one man bands, if you're a you know a small production company that does their color in house, this is going to save right. you so much time. The micro panel is thousand dollars. It's nine hundred ninety five dollars, yeah. and you have physical tracking ball and ring and physical button controls for mm. DaVinci Resolve. That's insane. Like I yeah. might pick that up just so I can do my reel. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> you know, just yeah, so I good. can tweak little things as I post it to Vimeo. But it's good stuff. I think it's, it's, a, cool. it's a whole world out there, Alex. There's a whole world out there of exciting things. Well, the, the cool thing is just the options. Yeah. We're not constricted. We're not limited. No. Yeah. Not anymore. I'm going to shift gears. You shift gears? You ready to shift? Yeah, shift it. Okay. Well, uh, let's go to watching. Oh. There's a talking point that uh, we, you know. If you're a listener, we usually bring up, what are you watching? Yes. Uh, in your darkness, in yeah. your depression, <laughs> your sadness, yeah. your you know, lamenting of sure. current activities and events in life, yes. what are you 
soothing your soul with. Well, here's the thing. This is part of my dilemma. (laughs) I I typically don't soothe the soul. I typically continue to consume the same stuff, which usually is drama. Yeah. Like dark. Yes. So I am right now. I'm sad. I'm going to watch Bloodline. Right now I am completely (laughs) in on uh, the path. I think it's a great show. That's so dark. Aaron Paul. um, I know, but I got a weird dark. Yeah. Dark side, I guess. Just don't join a cult, please. I, trust me, that will not happen. Please don't join a yeah, cult. Yeah, I was already a part of one. Unless so it's a filming I'm Not going to be a part of that one. I was a part of the... The religious cult. The Judeo-Christian cult. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways... Uh, the Path, really? That's all you're yeah. doing? Watching The Path, um, watching a lot of Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. I'm on season That's two now. One. Well, it's it's they're still making it. Oh, I thought they were done. They're on like season. They have, he has no reservations and uh, something else. I don't know. I'm watching Parts Unknown and it's great. Okay, it's absolutely great, and, and I'm enjoying that streaming. Yeah, and then I'm playing um, Zelda, the new Zelda, Breath of the Wild. I'm a I'm a gamer. Um, Dude, well, I'm amazing. a casual gamer, but I, I it is we picked up the Switch, but we have a we have a real problem in the house, and that's me and the eight year old are not seeing eye to eye on style of play. We actually got into an argument last night. I had to walk away. What? I ended up taking a shower to relax and kind of like try to recenter myself. What are the differences? I mean, in I wasn't style angry. Play though. Well, he wants he wants to do like free play, which is you. He kind of wants to chase his fancy. So, on this game, you can do whatever you want. You can climb a tree, climb a mountain, whatever you want. So he sees a rabbit. He's like, "Oh, I wonder if I can ride the rabbit." And I'm like, "No, you can't ride a rabbit." You ride a horse. Yeah. And I'm like, you hunt a rabbit. And he's like, oh, I just want to see. So he's like chasing his fancy and doing all this weird stuff. And like, there's chickens. I'm going to pick up the chickens and run around in a circle with a chicken over my head. And I just want to complete the objectives. Yeah. So here you're, I am. You're too rational. I know. So here I am as a realist. Just chase your fancy. And I'm just trying to like, I want to progress the game. I want to beat the game. I want to enjoy the storyline of the game as intended through these sort of puzzles that you have to figure out. God, you're so boring. And meanwhile, he, he it's you know, it'll be his turn to grab the controller and next thing you know, he's just like running in circles and I'm like, "Nash." Yeah. So we got into like a big argument. How do you determine whose Jeez. turn it is? Well, we in in an adult child relationship. We've been working household. we've been working this out. Is, do you roll a dice? No. Do you have a time limit? No, I'm trying to put a sand timer down and we've say- We've been trying to work this out. Five so we started off as whenever you die, you hand over the controller. What if you never die? Well, then you get rewarded by you're, on, you're in the driver's seat. Uh-huh. So if you so, never die- <laughs> So anyway, with that said, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm better than- Like, he's really good at video games. Like, he's, you know, kids mm-hmm. are born able to play video games, especially little boys. Yeah, it's an innate human ability. Yes. So- <laughs> But anyway, that that was really wasn't working out. And so last night I was like, yeah. you know what? I was like, we're going to have to create two accounts. Oh, no. You can have your account and run around and do free play and, and when he goes to bed, chase chickens. Brandon comes out. And then I can have my account and I can enjoy the game the way it was intended. But here's the dilemma. And I get it cuz I agree with him. Then he's like, "But dad, I want to experience it with you. Aww. I want to play the game with you, and Aww. and I want to be best buddies and da da da. Which I agree. I want to do that too. That's why you got it? But I want to be best buddies who is following the directions of the game. <laughs> no. So here's what we decided. Open world means open world. Here, Raven. True. Here's what we decided, and this is what I would say to all the dads out there who are trying to to do this. What I'm trying to do with uh, Zelda. Yeah. So where where we got at was he is going to have his own account. 
And that's a place where he can do whatever he wants. He can chase his fancy. Like he try can, to ride a rabbit. He can try to ride a rabbit or a donkey. He can climb a tree. He can paraglide. He can shield surf. He can do all the cool shield things. Shield Oh, yeah. It's amazing. What? Yes. He can do all the cool things that he wants to in this game. Yeah. After school, on his own, the whole deal. But when it's time, when dad comes home and it's time for us to have guy time Zelda video game night. Yeah. We play the missions. Now, whether he has the controller or I have the controller, I don't care. Missions. I don't care, but I want to be on mission. I want to be on task. I want to be chasing the next thing that we unlock. Checking off those boring bullet points. Checking off the bullet points. I love it. And I want to just like, I want to experience it that way. We're going to come to some bosses. He's going to try. I'm going to try. We're going to die. We're going to celebrate together. And so I think that we've come up with a compromise. Wow. So that happened last night. He was like tired. He was crying. It was a big deal. I was crying. Wow. Wow. You're a merciful Dad dictator. problems. You are. Yeah. Dad problems. Hold on. Shield surfing? Shield surfing. Can you catch a barrel? No, but if you are on top of a mountain and you, you have- Can you get barreled? Yes. If you're on top of a mountain <laughs> and, you're, and you've got a nice, like a nice run, like a nice line of grass, uh, you jump off the cliff- I was thinking in the water. Dude, it's awesome. No. Uh, you jump off the cliff- Hold down the left you, trigger. You can't get hit a catch a pipeline, and you freaking slide your shield all the way down the mountain, and it's awesome. You can't like rail slide or anything like that, but it's pretty rad, dude. So you could like you could have dudes at the bottom. This this show's getting super nerdy right now. That's fine. Um, you could have like enemies at the bottom. Yeah. Go to the top of the mountain, shield surf down in there, and just start blasting them with arrows. Wow, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I played it the other night with my buddy Joel. Um, yeah, it's fun. And there's all sorts of like super abilities. You can magnetize yes. things. Yes. You can throw bombs. Bombs, magnetics. Uh, you can freeze yeah. water freeze time. into blocks. You can, you freeze, can freeze time. time. Yeah. Why can't Fire we do that arrows. In, why can't we do that in real life? Freeze arrows. Bomb arrows. There's no no basis in reality. It's great. Yeah. There's robes on it. With I know. How are you dealing with the well, robe situation? Link himself doesn't have a robe. Well, he's got a tunic. No, he's got shirt and a pants. It's more of a tunic. It's a little more of a Robin Hood-esque style. Yeah. Which I'm fine with, but it's definitely a pair of pants and a shirt. On his way to a robe. <laughs> he yeah. may, he r- bumps into a lot of guys with robes. Yeah. A lot of girls with robes. Do you just throw yeah. it on the controller in no. you know, frustration no, and say I'm out? It's fine. Yeah. It's definitely a little more like, <laughs> it's it's got a little, it's you know, it's like feudal living. Feudal? Yeah, it's like the feudal times versus like fantastical sci-fi times. Huh. It feels like a pretty real city. There's some trolls. There's some sprites. Sprites. <laughs> there's some things that are not set in reality, but that's all right. Anyway. So anyway, but yeah, that's cool. That's so, good. That's good that you get to share that with your boy. Um, you've got like a common. He's awesome. He's goal. the best. But we definitely. I mean, he's a hard head. He's kind of like me. We butt head sometimes, but. So we besides, I mean, you guys are playing that. Is there anything that you guys watch together? Is that mm, out of the question? We finished uh, Lemony Schnicket's uh, series of unfortunate events on Netflix, which is creepy. Neil Patrick Harris. It's terrifying. It's amazing. With the guy oh, that uh, so good that does the voice of uh, <coughs> the the yeah. paraplegic in in Family Guy. Yes. What's his name? I don't know, but he is Joe. He yeah, is the cop. he is great. Um, it's an awesome show. It is very um, it's well shot. Oh, it's beautiful. Sony F sixty five. Heavily art, I looked heavily it up. art directed. 
Yeah, beautiful. Um, very, he has a lot of French film sort of. Kristen and I yeah, started watching good. that and it got too sad. There was no redeeming factor <laughs> as far as like. It's good, man. Emotional well-being that we felt. This oh, is going to get any better. It's worth watching. It was down. And yeah. Like. It's pretty good. Really depressing. The, the girl who plays the daughter is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's really. No, it's, they're all great actors. And Neil film. Patrick Harris is fantastic at what he does. Yeah. But it's just sad. And the dude tells you, he's I like, know. I this isn't going to get any better. If you want something happy, <laughs> go watch another show. I think it's kind of, I think it's funny. Like kind of clever and funny. It's too depressing. Yeah. So now we've been watching that. Big okay. big Little Liars. Me and the wife are still watching. Um, I mean. You guys Disney, a Disney family? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we bought Moana. I still haven't seen it. The kids Moana. seen it. Yeah, speaking of Moana, we watched. Oh, we watched um, uh, huh. the the Rock's game plan the other night. We brought that one back. That's an old movie. Game the game plan. It's got the Rock. It's a little girl. Oh. It's a Disney movie. Yeah, he finds out he has a daughter. I like the Rock. She changes his life. It's like Tooth Fairy. Yeah, kind of. It is like the Tooth Fairy <laughs> a little bit. He that guy went <laughs> went through a stage. Where he did all these little Disney movies, yeah, teeny bobber movies. Well, now he's probably he's, under contract. Yeah, with with them. But yeah. now I think he's out of it. He's, he's like back to the Fast and Furious. GI Joe, yeah. Fast and Furious, Baywatch, which is like a rated yeah. X, sure, you know, adult film. Uh, I heard you. You they almost casted you for that from your did, lifeguard yeah, experience. They were looking at Zac Efron and me. <laughs> and uh, do you remember the night they said <laughs> Alex is just he's just too shredded. <laughs> <laughs> Zach is he's a little softer. Zach Efron's a little more real life. Yeah. We're gonna go with Zach Efron. <laughs> Good times. All right. Well this podcast is going nowhere at this point. Anyway. Um uh, it's been good chatting. What I was gonna say is uh your daughter yes. is in a certain age group yes. that I just shot a music video for. Yeah, you you did a. are you allowed to talk about it or yeah, no? Sure, yeah. Justice. The the kid clothing company. Yeah, Teeny Ju- Bopper Justice clothing. clothing brand. Which, by the way, if you've never been into a Justice, um, which you should only ever go into a Justice if you have a teenage daughter. <laughs> if you if you are otherwise, if you just, do not have a child and you go into Justice, yeah. it could be a little creepy. Yeah. Uh, but you will be overwhelmed. It's almost like flower power. A rainbow, yeah. a rainbow blew up, and then somebody like a girl power rainbow some yeah and then somebody like bombed it with like lip smackers perfect <laughs> yeah i mean it's That's pretty much what it it's is it's overwhelming so so i just shot a music video for that company and for a uh, youtube star that adheres to that brand That's her people. philosophy That's her people yeah yeah and so i feel like your bu- daughter, daughter bubblegum pop yeah I, uh, yeah I i saw a little bit of what you you showed us it was cool yeah yeah, it was a lot of fun, high energy, um, yeah. age appropriate. I thought that was good that you guys pulled off age appropriateness. I think Tried it's to. always weird when um, when you, when little kids are like being sexy. You can't do it's that. It's kind of odd. If you over sexualize a twelve year old, that's yeah. You know, ground, so I felt, grounds for expulsion from the United States. Yeah, so I but, feel like it was um, okay. well, yeah, <laughs> Roman Polanski, right? Yeah, exactly. You got to go hide <laughs> in another country if you start doing that, and then make yeah. award winning films somehow. Yeah, but. So anyway, anyway, yeah. uh, that was a cool project. Thanks. Um, is that something? When will people be able to see that? That'll be out. So it premieres uh, March eighteenth in store. 
at all, wow. like 970 yeah. justice stores nationwide. So they have like a whole thing. They're all, they're all about creating content now. They're going to create content yeah. that reinforces the brand. Yep. That uh, they, uh, just creates a whole cycle of culture. Artists that they agree with. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, the project I shot will will premiere and debut in store. Uh, I think there's like 970, 1,000 stores nationwide uh, on the 18th, so Saturday. Cool. You can go into any Justice store nationwide and, and see this thing playing. They'll nice. have a celebration of Angelique. Well, if you and Kristen want to yeah. take L shopping so you have a good excuse to actually go in. That's fine. Feel free. Come by. There's one in our neighborhood. I'm going to be working. <laughs> I'm going to be shooting a short film that has nothing to do You're like, with I've it. already seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. I spent the, I spent the time there. Yeah. yeah, yeah cool, yeah. man. So well, anybody else, go see it. That's good to hear. Um, yeah. Anything uh, before we end this thing? Anything exciting coming up or anything that... No. Are, are, you on the, are we doing a show next week? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I might, we, I might we should. I don't know if I'm available or not. We can. We should. If you're not, I'll do it myself. Yeah. You've done plenty without me, where I've abandoned well, you, know. you. I've abandoned you. We, uh, here's the thing about the show. It's not going away. <laughs> it's here to it's stay. been here to stay, and uh, and you can see that. There's shows that come up on iTunes, and they try to do a podcast, and they think they're going to do a podcast, and they're 10 and done, 5 and done, 20 and done. 70-some and 50 still going. 50 and done. Uh, yeah. This puppy is still going, so... Thanks so much for uh, continuing to support us and and listen. Um, we love hearing from you guys on Slack group, uh, Twitter, Insta. Um, just got a note the other day from somebody who said uh, that that just was appreciating the show and said it gets them through their commute. What? And yeah, and so I thought that was cool. And um, you know, thanks so much everybody for supporting the show. Um, we'd love for you to rate and review on iTunes if possible. Yeah, we haven't said that in a while. Yeah. That, that is a big we're, thing. We are, yeah, that, that really helps promote the show. And um, if you if you haven't done that yet, we'd love for you to do that right now. Actually, turn this off. Go to iTunes. Yep. Well, here here's the funny the thing. thing. When you go search filmmaking on iTunes, yeah. there are only six podcasts above us. We are the number seventh ranked filmmaking podcast on iTunes. Yeah, I mean, there's a little mystery to... Like how iTunes lists and ranks things, but yes, yeah. I would I would assume that we're we're high up there. We're but it's only because a significant of you guys. member. It's only because of our listeners. If you don't if you don't like it, it's not going to get up there. So anyway, I agree. Rate rate and review. Yeah. All right, guys, it's been fun. Thanks again to Sound Images as always for hosting us for the show. Bart, our engineer, who's always at the ready, always knows what's 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 the cool thing. We do keep them stocked with bourbon. Yeah, has your so, album released yet? By the way, where? No, we teased it. It's not available yet. Okay, new song coming on Friday. Huh. Stay tuned. Um, we'll uh, this get is that talk. tweeted out. Right, yeah, talk. Um, and we'll let you know when the album drops. So you guys were just doing some photography, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. Bart was. Bart has a, a video on his Instagram or something where he was trying to do it. Uh, like the stick he was thing. trying to take a cool picture. With a drumstick by like bouncing it on the ground, flipping it, and then catching it, and then yeah. as he was doing it, it hit him in the nut, the nuts, mm. and he did a, uh, a a kick in the nuts take, uh, which was pretty funny. It so, awesome. um, yeah, that's funny. good times. Awesome. Well, good things all around. I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, the darkness has been no. uh, held back. Exactly. We, we're on a brighter path. Brighter path, and we're ending the show on Bart's Nuts. Exactly. Bart's Nuts. <laughs> so that's our new title for the podcast, Bart's Nuts, <laughs> episode one. 
two. Anyway. Episode two. <laughs> Whatever. All right, dude. It was All right. A good episode. Thank you again to uh, Dean Peterson. If anybody is interested, check and out you his should stuff. Be, go to vimeo.com slash Peterson Cinema. Slash? Slash Peterson Cinema. Peterson Cinema. Dean Peterson. His new new film, What Children Do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks to him. Go Thanks to it. you. Thanks to Bart. And the final comment. If you are sitting on top of a script, if you're sitting on top of an idea, yes. if you have a seed in your heart, go plant that seed and water it by stepping out today and saying, I am going to make this film that is in my heart. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. There's mm-hmm. no reason. If you have to shoot it on your iPhone and you are the actor, the producer, the director, and the cinematographer, shoot a film completely based on a selfie, Yeah. whatever. All you have to do is save half of your paycheck for three years <laughs> and you'll be fine. <laughs> so cheers to you guys out there. Yeah. Uh, keep filmmaking. Keep doing your thing. Love you. Cheers. This podcast was recorded live at Sound Images Studio. Find out more at soundimages.com.